This is episode 256 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life. Today's articles are From Piglets to Bacon, Part 1, Now is the Time to Prepare for Spring Severe Weather, and Conflicted, Shoot First or Hold Your Fire, What Would You Do? Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 256. Thanks so much for joining me. Hey, before we get right into our articles, I wanted to let you know there is a new website uh, that's going to do a whole lot of good for the preparedness community. It's called the Preparedness Experience, and you can get to it uh, by going to thepreparednessexperience.com. And so every month, they're going to have a focus of uh, some aspect of preparedness, and they're looking to supplement uh, you know your knowledge with uh, webinars and, and live chats and blog posts and, and all kinds of uh, you know preparedness material out there and so uh, it's being put on by a couple of guys out in the in the preparedness community uh, Kevin over at uh, wildsafety.com uh, Dale over at survivalistprepper.net Ryan from thetinylife.com and Brian from uh, mindforsurvival.com. And so, um, you know, looking forward to it. February was their their launch month. And uh, this month, the topic is general preparedness. And they asked me to be on, um, (laughs) I guess they're they're calling it VIPs, but I I don't know. I'm I'm not a, I I don't feel like a VIP as far as, you know, uh, being like a preparedness expert or anything like that. But uh, they are going to bring someone on at the end of the month who can talk about you know the specific uh, specific topic that they're talking about, and because it's general preparedness, uh, you know they've asked me to uh, to be on that first uh, live webinar, and uh, I, I feel very honored to do that. So I want to invite you to go over to their website, thepreparednessexperience.com. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. And uh, I'm going to be on, and that way you can kind of link to their Facebook and you can link to their social media, to their Facebook group. I believe that's where um, the video is going to be shown. And so that's going to be this Sunday, February 25th uh, at 7 o'clock Central Standard Time. And so uh, I'd love for you to join us there. I think they're going to have, you know, there's going to be, again, that general preparedness topic. And then there's going to be time for questions and and answers and all that kind of stuff. So I uh, really look forward to uh, to being on that. And like I said, I'm going to link to it in the show notes so that you can come and uh, check it out and uh, be a part of that. And, uh, you know, go check out their website and get some more information. All right, so let's go ahead and move into our first article of the podcast. Okay, our first article comes to us from survivalblog.com. And the title of the article is From Piglets to Bacon. And this is part one. Uh, there are a lot of parts to this, actually. Um, there's already, well, I think there's, to finish off the article, there's going to be like, there's five parts. And so, uh, I, I'm not going to read all of them, but I definitely, you know, if you are interested in this and after hearing this first part, you might be, you might want to go check out the rest of them because basically, um, what this article or what this series of articles is, is going to do is talk about, uh, raising pigs 
from a piglet all the way to you get to the point where uh, you are harvesting them and uh, you're, you're, you know, you're curing bacon and all that good stuff. So uh, we're going to talk about part one and I, I want to just let you know, you might, uh, if you're eating, um, there's not a lot of gross stuff, but it gets you really thinking about what you're eating, right? And so if you're eating while you're listening to this, you might, you might want to like, okay, hold on. I'm, I'm going to hold off just a second or whatever. Um, just because uh, it talks a little bit here at the very beginning of the importance of our food and the importance of what we realize is inside of our food. I've always said, I think that we're going to have so many health problems. You know, I'm, I, I'm in my 40s and so I really didn't grow up with too much fast food. We didn't, we didn't eat too much fast food uh, when, when we were kids. But, you know, when I was, you know, uh, newly married and we had young kids and, and it was just convenient when you're a new parent our young parent and it's convenient and and to be honest it's sometimes it's still very convenient to just go do that when you've had a long day at work and uh, you know you don't have anything prepared and and you do that but the food out there is just crap right the the you know going to fast food it's not what you want to be doing and then on top of that the food that we get at the grocery stores even if you are cooking every single day and you are uh, you're, you're cooking from scratch, but you're getting your stuff from the grocery store. The, the 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 minerals and the vitamins and all the extra junk that they put inside of our meat. I mean, there's going to be some consequences down the road. So, uh, you know, my generation, maybe those that are a little bit older than uh, than me, we're not going to see so much of it. But I believe, like our kids, if if they don't start watching what they're eating and they don't start taking care of themselves better then they're, they're going to have some real uh big health problems later on down the road i think that we're already kind of seeing that uh you know in in uh our kids already you know i think i think that's already uh something that that you know people are noticing and hopefully we can kind of turn this around anyway i say all this because that very first part of this article talks a little bit about all the stuff that we're finding in there and the whole reason why uh, this author started to uh, to to take care of livestock uh, on their on their little homestead. So let's go ahead and start reading again from survivalblog.com from piglets to to bacon part one. This article is about growing piglets, slaughtering and butchering hogs. It covers everything we did from start to finish concerning piglets to bacon. Why a retired grandmother raises small livestock. But first, it is important to understand why in the world a retired grandmother would want to raise small livestock. While this article is not about the bad stuff in commercial products, I want to list the reasons why I make the effort to raise my own small livestock. Just for starters, synthetic preservatives are added to 70% of all factory farmed meat and poultry to prevent spoilage, rancidity, and mold growth. And then uh, I'm going to say there's a lot of... uh, she sourced this, right? So there's a lot of uh, links here to the different sources. So I'll, I'll just say, I'm going to spare you reading the source or whatever. I'll just say that uh, there's a link for that, you know, and so you can go click on that uh, when you when you go, uh, if, you, if you're interested and you want to go get some more information. Ractopamine is used in the pork industry. It puts on more muscle instead of fat and also puts on weight. Ractopamine is a livestock growth altering drug so dangerous that 160 countries around the world have banned its use. A container of ractopamine has 
a warning label that says individuals with cardiovascular disease should exercise special caution to avoid exposure, not for use in humans, keep out of the reach of children, and recommends protective clothing, gloves, eyewear, and mask. And again, there's a source. I just, just side note, I mean, all that, that just, doesn't that just right there just drive you nuts? That you have all these warnings on there, but they're giving it to the food or to the animals that we're eventually going to eat. I mean, come on. Uh, you know, we, we talk a lot about GMOs and we talk about a lot about, you know, all that stuff that, that winds up, you know, coming to us because of that. And here, you know, a lot of people don't talk about the meats and, and things that uh, are the chemicals that they're putting in the, in the meats. All right, moving on. Nitrites and nitrates. Nitrites are used in pork, beef, and poultry products to enhance color, which makes older meat look fresh and stay marketable. The study of more than 190,000 people found that those with the highest intake of processed meats were at a 68% increased risk of pancreatic cancer compared to those who, who ate the least amount of processed meats. And then there's a link. Antibiotics. Antibiotics prevent animal disease outbreaks in cramped conditions. USDA's Food Safety and Inspection Service finds dangerous antibiotic levels in animals including penicillin, neomycin, and sulfa and cipro drugs, many from repeat violators. And there's a source for that. Carbon monoxide. Most meat eaters may be unaware that more than 70% of all beef and chicken in the United States Canada and other countries is being treated with poisonous carbon monoxide gas. It can make seriously decayed meat look fresh for months. There's a source for that. Meat glue. I think a lot of us have maybe seen that uh, these videos on, on Facebook or on YouTube. Uh, meat glue is produced as Activa in Japan. Its scientific name is transglutaminase. It can be used for sticking together different pieces of meat. Some would rather have a solid piece of meat from one animal than several pieces from multiple animals glued together. And then there's a, a link. Antibiotic-resistant bacteria. Almost half of beef, chicken, pork, and turkey in samples tested from U.S. grocery stores contained staph bacteria reported the Los Angeles Times in 2011, including the resistant MRSA staph bacterium. And then there's a source. Pork tested by Consumer Reports in 2013 also contained MRSA and four other kinds of resistant bacteria. Uh, another link for that. So I'll move on to the story of piglets to bacon. I'm a widow of retirement age. I have a couple of medical issues that slow me down and only one of my kids is interested in helping me on this journey. All I have is a will of steel, the desire to become more self-reliant, and a lot of books to read. I have never lived on a farm, never raised animals, and for sure never ate any animal I raised, killed, and butchered. When I began my farmstead experience several years back, I wasn't sure of what I would be able to do. This is my story of how I began raising and harvesting small livestock. I began with chickens, ducks, and rabbits. But I'm skipping those stories because there are many good articles on the internet about raising, butchering, and processing them. This article is about pigs. There are many different ways to do this as there are people reading this. I made mistakes and other people will have their methods, which they have learned from their experience. 
My goal was to successfully raise healthy animals and harvest them myself because that may be the only safe way to eat now and in the future. The big payoff is having 500 pounds of pork stored away. However, what I am most satisfied with is I did it. If this retired grandmother can do it, so can you. We made the decision to raise two feeder pigs, as I think animals do better in pairs. I can't prove this, but I feel when animals are content, they are less stressed and their meat is better. But first we had to prepare the big the pig area. There was an old goat enclosure not too far from the barn that would be easy to convert for pigs. This was a nice area with pine trees, lots of pine needles, and weeds. We cleaned up the area, getting rid of old barbed wire and miscellaneous trash. After measuring how much or fencing we would need, we collected some concrete blocks, wood pallets, an old truck topper, and other useful items abandoned on the property. I waited for a cell and then got gates, farm fencing, T-posts, and hot wire material. Although I have plenty of acreage, I decided to keep the pigs within an acre pen. Why? Go visit a farm or a farmer who free-ranges his hogs and you will see total destruction of the land. Free-range hogs are not only killed by predators, but they also clear the land of all vegetation, destroy water ponds or streams, and will take down small trees and bushes. It's not a pretty sight. My son did the hard labor of putting up fencing and hot wire. He also built a shelter for the piglets, even though our winters are mild and the area is well shaded for the summer. Pigs are really smart and they can find a way out of almost any enclosure, but they don't like pain. Thus, we encircled the fencing with a bottom hot wire 12 inches from the ground on the inside of the farm fencing. We used an electric power hot wire because the area is too shady for solar power. We had no running water to the area, so I got two 300-gallon food-grade totes to use for water storage. The totes feed the water to the troughs and mud holes. I bought 200 feet of heavy-duty farm hoses to run from the closest water spigot down to the totes. On average, we filled them every 10 days, but during the hottest times, it was every week. I found a local source for the piglets and went piggy shopping. This fellow let his hogs free-range on 20 acres of land, and the hogs destroyed all 20 acres. I was shocked to see what 30 full-grown hogs could do to land. With this, I was glad I kept my enclosure about an acre. He kept his sows and piglets in an enclosure away from the boars. I asked the farmer and my son to go catch two female piglets. It was a hearty laugh watching two grown men trying to catch these 10-week-old squealing pigs. I wanted females because... I had read that male hogs should be butchered at a specific time or their meat can get smelly or tainted because of their hormones. I don't know that this is absolutely true, but I just didn't want the stress of having to work on a timeline. Plus, experience with other animals has taught me that females are easier to harvest. We put the piglet in a cage, or the piglets in a cage, and in the back of the truck and brought them back to our farmstead and their new enclosure. It took them several days to calm down, but after that, they were happy piglets. They tested the hot wire a couple of times and went squealing back to their shelter. After that, they stayed clear of the hot wire. We used an old double sink we found in our boneyard as their food bowl. 
we sealed up the drain holes and screwed the sink to a big piece of trash wood so it wouldn't sink in the mud and they could not easily drag it around. That way, when we went to feed them, if it was really wet and muddy, we could just pour the food mix into the sink from outside the fence. The girls loved my son, who was their primary caregiver. It's probably because he gave them treats, scratched their ears, rubbed their bellies, and sprayed them with fly and tick preventative. Tomorrow I will continue, beginning with growing the piglets and then moving into slaughtering and butchering. Alright guys, so uh, not a very long article, but like I said, if you're interested in finding out more about raising pigs and uh, from start to finish, uh, definitely go check this article out. And like always, I link to all the articles in the show notes, but there is uh, you know part two, three, four, and five here. Uh, you know, I really like Survival Blog because they do give you, although a lot of the articles lack pictures, right? Um, they do give you a lot of information there about, uh, you know, that self-reliant life. Sometimes it's not opinion. There's there, there are some opinion pieces, but some of them are really actionable type articles, right? That give you information that you really would need to be able to accomplish something, right? To, to, to build your skills, and so uh, I really like Survival Block for that. That was one of the things I noticed early on in my preparedness journey uh, when I would read, uh, when I was interested in chickens and uh, rabbits. Uh, you know, I, some of the articles at the very beginning that I ever posted about, you know, chickens and rabbits and goats and stuff like that were, uh, you know, were from Survival Block because the readers over there or the people that submitted articles uh, would submit those type of articles that were, uh, that would help you to understand how, you go about raising them and, and butchering them and all that kind of stuff. So uh, again, that's over at survivalblog.com. And uh, if you are interested in pigs, go check that out. I mean, come on, who isn't interested in some bacon, right? I mean, just that right there in itself, thick cut bacon. All right. Our next article comes to us from bsurvival.com. And this article is entitled, Now is the Time to Prepare for Spring Severe Weather. I don't know what the weather is like where you're at, but we, we, we're like done with winter. I mean, we've had uh, some rain the last couple of days. I mean, it really rained hard today and, uh, you know, had to, had to you know, deal with that. And the temperature dropped a little bit, but we're, we're, we're pretty much in spring now. I mean, it's like, well, we've, we've jumped right into that. And so uh, when, when spring comes... Uh, you know, there, there's uh, other things that we need to start thinking about. Now, I know those of you that are up north, um, you've been dealing with, uh, you know, winter, severe winter and a lot of snow and uh, digging out of all those kinds of things. But, uh, you know, you too as well will be dealing with, uh, you know, storms as, as well as, as, we're, as they're coming. And so I think now one of the big reasons why I'm wanting to read this that now is the time to, to evaluate where you're at. So if you've been preparing for a while, maybe now is the time you start looking at some of your, uh, you know, your weather, uh, your weather gear. And uh, when I say gear, I'm talking more like, you know, make sure that you have your flashlights prepared and, and you have good batteries and make sure that you can, uh, you know, charge your phone if you lose power for whatever reason or you have, you know, backup water. I mean, now is a good time to, to start, uh, looking at that, you know, especially those of you who are not necessarily in, in up north where you've been dealing with severe uh, blizzards and stuff because you're coming out of that and definitely you have to be prepared. But some of us down here in the south who are dealing with uh, with winter but not like, you know, blizzard conditions, 
well, we might be, you know, just a little too lax. And it's time to go ahead and start looking at some of our stuff and making sure that uh, that we are, uh, you know, that everything is in working order and we are good to go. And so uh, bringing this up uh, and this topic up and this article up because things can turn very, very quickly, you know, in severe weather conditions. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I just, I can't, I can't begin to tell you, you know, when when I was on the campus, how many times parents would send their kids uh, to school with uh, in shorts and t-shirts, and it, you know those times where you, we, the cold front, we would get a cold front right in the middle of the day, and so they'd come to school and shorts and t-shirt were fine, but then it was like freezing when when the uh, you know by the time dismissal time rolled around, and these kids were shivering, right. And so it's it just a lot of the times we're so busy, we're not really looking at the weather. And, and although we have these phones and we have weather apps and things like that, we're really not paying attention. And so I'm um, just wanting to bring a little bit more awareness uh, of that as we're going into spring. So uh, let's go ahead and start reading this one. Spring weather is often unpredictable, so it is very important to be prepared when severe weather of any kind strikes. Even though the groundhog said a little over a week ago that there would be a six, six more weeks of winter, spring will be here before we know it. For those up north especially, I know some of you are breathing a sigh of relief. But with the warmer weather, sprouting flowers, and all that comes with spring, there's one thing you may forget about. Spring severe weather. When the seasons start to change, cold air mixes with warm air and becomes more favorable to supercell storms which can spawn tornadoes. This causes instability in the atmosphere, which wrecks havoc throughout Tornado Alley and basically anywhere. The instability also causes severe thunderstorms, some with straight-line damaging winds, hail, and sometimes deadly lightning and flooding. Tornadoes are the worst of these, so we will focus a little more on them in this article. But keep in mind that severe thunderstorms with straight-line winds are often mistaken for tornadoes because they can cause just as much damage. Spring weather is unpredictable, so it is a good idea to make sure you are prepared. Tornado Alley is the area where most tornadoes occur, but that doesn't mean they won't happen elsewhere. Every continent on the planet, except Antarctica, has reported tornadoes, so don't think it won't happen to you because it could. Matter of fact, a tornado hit within a half mile of my home a few years back. I knew the risk and was prepared in case it was to happen, but many people weren't. We had no damage otherwise, but we did lose power for about 30 hours. And once a tornado hit about 30 minutes from my house, and within 24 hours, it was snowing. It is a good idea to invest in a good weather radio. This will alert you when a tornado warning is issued, even in the middle of the night. The tornado that hit a half mile from my house happened around 4 in the morning. My weather radio had gone off and I was up and able to monitor the situation and wake up my family to get them into a safe place. You also need to have a safe place to get in case a tornado were to hit your area. If you are in a mobile home, it's better to get somewhere safer as quickly as possible. Sometimes you have a fair amount of time to get somewhere safe, but sometimes the warnings don't go out until it's fixing to hit. If you have the time, get somewhere safe. Do not try to go anywhere if it is supposed to hit your area soon. Basements are a great option, but not every home has one. If you don't have a basement, you can get in a hallway with all the doors shut around you. Closets are also good if they, have, if they are in the middle part of your house, 
but shut the door. And if all else fails, get in a bathtub or turn a sofa on its side and get up under it as we used to in the old days. If a tornado or wind does get bad enough, cover your heads with something like a hardback book to shield from debris. Parents often use their children's bicycle helmets or football helmets for them to wear. Keep a good flashlight or battery-powered lantern wherever your safe spot is. This way, when a warning hits, you can immediately get into your safe spot. Keep your emergency kit, and we will talk a little bit more about this on down in the spot as well. If you are on the road and a tornado warning happens, get to a sturdy building as quickly as possible. Truck stops, gas stations, restaurants, and businesses, offices are better than being on the road. If you can see the tornado on the ground or producing damage, take cover in a ditch or low spot. Cover your head with a blanket from your vehicle if you have one or your hands if you have to. Never take cover under an overpass because the winds are actually higher in these openings and debris can still hurt you. Severe thunderstorms. All thunderstorms can be dangerous. Anytime you hear thunder, lightning is involved, but severe thunderstorms are the most dangerous. A severe thunderstorm has either an inch or larger diameter in hail, winds greater than 57.5 miles per hour, or the potential for a tornado to spawn from it. As I said before, severe thunderstorms can cause just as much damage as a tornado. Winds near 60 miles per hour and over can knock down trees, power lines, and mobile homes. Hell can break windows, mess up your roof, damage cars, boats, and sheds, and even kill livestock. And lightning can severely hurt and even kill you and cause fires in your home or land from the lightning strikes. If a severe thunderstorm is coming, get inside a sturdy building or your home. Do not take shelter under a tree. If you are on a boat, get off the water as quickly as possible. Also, do not take a shower or bathe during a thunderstorm or use a landline phone. Get off laptops and computers. These are susceptible to getting struck by lightning and can hurt you. Actually, anything electric can, can get struck. Flooding. Did you know that flooding kills more people every year than hurricanes do? Floods are the most common and widespread of all weather-related natural disasters. For instance, nearly 40% of at least nearly 1,000 people in Louisiana who died during Katrina died from drowning, according to the datacenterresearch.org. There are two different types of floods. Flash flood warnings and flood warnings mean two different things. A flash flood means it is already happening and it's more immediate and can happen with little or no warning. This makes flash flooding more dangerous. A flood warning means it will last a while basically and can be predicted beforehand. If you are placed under a flood warning, move to higher ground. Go to a high elevation. If you are not able to get to a higher elevation, go to a second floor or the roof in the flood if the flood is bad enough. Call for help to be rescued if possible. Do not try to drive through floodwaters. It doesn't take much water for a disaster to happen. So what can you do now to prepare for severe weather? First of all, you can build a natural disaster emergency kit. You can buy these pre-made with all you need for three days. If you want a more customized kit, then consider making your own using our very own severe weather checklist. Or you can make your own complete bug out bag. This is, a great, this is great to have in case your home is damaged and you have to leave. Think of it as just a bigger, better emergency kit. In your emergency kit, you should have all the basics you need to keep you and your family safe for an extended period of time. 
stored in a place that is easy to get to, or better yet, in your safe spot. Let everyone in your home know where your emergency and survival gear is located and make a plan on what to do in severe weather with your family in case it happens when you are not home. Also, keep your gutters cleaned and as much stuff put up from your yard that could easily blow around. Secure larger objects if you can. Keep dead limbs trimmed off the trees and take down any dead trees that are around your home and property. Severe weather is something that you need to prepare for. It could happen anytime during the year and anywhere. Springtime is the most common. With some easy preparations, you can be ready for any type of weather. All right, let me come on just a, again. So you want to have your, your gear, right? And again, when I say gear, you know, your, your, your weather radios, I think, uh, are very important. Uh, just like he said that there's there's those weather radios that give you that tone when there's an emergency going on, and uh, you know I have one of those uh, and and it works. Uh, it, it works when you know when I guess NOAA pushes out an, an extreme weather alert for our area. So uh, I don't exactly know how that works, but I know that it works. And uh, so you can you can purchase weather radios that way. But then of course you know the flashlights and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, if you're in Tornado Alley and you are, you know, if you've been there for a while, you are definitely familiar with with uh, what the procedures are there. But uh, you know, you might want to you know, learn a little bit more of what it would take and and what it means to be able to be prepared for those. You know, severe thunderstorms is, is one of those that can change things, you know, very quickly and uh, it can do a lot of damage. Uh, and then the the flooding. When they were talking about the flooding here. Yeah, I think sometimes people think when they're looking at flooding, uh, and I'm just thinking back to Hurricane Harvey and how people were just wading around in the water. First of all, uh, there's always nasty stuff in the water. You do not want to be there. I mean, people had infections, got infections because they had open sores and they were walking around in flooded water. And then uh, uh, even the flesh-eating bacteria. I mean, there was people that had some of that. Uh, and had to go to the hospital because of that. And if you're in a situation where uh, you get an infection and then you're not able to get to the hospital very quickly, then uh, you know you can die from that, right? And so you got to be very, very careful about that. But I think one of the issues with flooding is that people see that it's just water, and the problem is you don't see all the things that are in the water. Uh, first of all, you don't you don't really understand the current, right? You don't realize the current, and I'm gonna, I'm going to tell you. On my street, it was like uh, it was like a river. There was a current going down the middle of my street. It was it was very crazy to see because the the water was so high that uh, you know there there was an actual current, and 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 that's when no vehicles or boats or anything was going. I mean that was just you could see that there was a current in there. But then you don't all you don't see all the debris that can uh, can latch onto you or can uh, you know wind up uh, you know some big. Uh, you know, limb or some big, you know, tree or whatever comes and, and knocks you out, and and you you can't, you know, uh, you drown in there because you're you're knocked out or you're hurt or whatever, and uh, and again, just the the current brings you brings you under the water and you wind up dying because of that. You know, when you talked about the uh, the securing items in your yard, I was re- remembering uh, our little old neighbor. We had a neighbor back when Hurricane Ike hit the the Houston area. And uh, we had cleaned up and we had taken care of everything. We were good to go. And we were just waiting for the, the, the storm to, to hit landfall. And we checked on our older, uh, our old neighbor. 
And she, you know, she was like, oh, yeah, she's like a grandmotherly type. I mean, you know, and she had kids. I don't know why they didn't come pick her up and, and take her, uh, take her uh, with them. But uh, she weathered the storm by herself. And uh, she had, uh, when we went to go check on her, we went, we went to the backyard. And she had these, like, uh, these stone, like, rabbits and stone squirrels and stuff like that that were on her, on her deck. And we're like, oh, no, you can't just leave those there. I mean, if the wind comes, you're going to pick these things up. I mean, they're going to be like projectiles, right? Uh, and so we we worked with her and we convinced her to, uh, you know, we moved all her stuff. I mean, because she still had her chairs and, and I don't think she could have really moved any of that. But uh, we, we moved that for her into her shed and uh, got it all in there and safe and secure. So, uh, you know, nothing nothing would go flying around. And she did lose a tree. I mean, they lost a tree in the in the, in the yard, in the front of the yard. And it came crashing down. And luckily, it didn't come crashing down on any of our homes. It went towards the street. And, and uh, you know, our homes were protected. But, uh, you know, that's how severe it was. And it was a, it's a big tree. It was a big tree. Um, you know, the trunk is still there. Uh, and uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't something small. One of the things, you know, he was talking about trimmed uh, limbs and dead and dead uh, trees, go ahead and, and cut those down. One of the things you might want to consider is thinning the canopy of your of your trees. If you have really big trees, really uh, you know uh, mature trees, you, you know one of the reasons why trees blow over is because the wind can't go through them, and so it winds up. I mean, although you know we look at it and it's their limbs and trees and all that kind of stuff, but when the wind is blowing very hard. All of that, it's kind of like a, a big net and it's catching all this wind and it's pushing up against the tree. And, and then so the tree blows over, right? And so it's just a, a, an issue of leverage. All that wind is, is pushing the top uh, of the canopy and it winds up pushing it down. So one of the things, if you can afford it, if you can pay someone, if you can go up there and do it, is you want to thin you want to thin the, the canopy out. So when you have those severe winds, it just blows through the tree and there's no risk of a tree falling on your, on your, on your rooftop or anything like that. And, uh, you know, there's, there's people out there that, that will do it for you. I mean, I paid someone to do it and, uh, really I was glad that they did it because, you know, I had told them initially that I wanted, you know, all these different limbs kind of cut down and I really, I didn't know what I was talking about. You know, the guy did this great job and uh, he sent me a picture because I was at work and uh, I was like, wait a minute, I thought you were going to do this one, this one. He goes, I can do it, but it's not going to look right. And uh, when I got home, it was done right. I mean, he did a really great job on there. And uh, so it just, not only does it look good, but it really, uh, and, and it's healthier for your tree, but it protects your trees from not falling down on your, on your yard so or on your house. So if you have uh, that situation, you have big trees around you, that might be something that you want to do is thin out that canopy before we get into, you know, heavy, uh, heavy winds and things like that. So good article over here at bsurvival.com. There's a lot of links here that you might be interested in. So go check that one out. All right. Every Thursday for the Thursday podcast, I do a conflicted scenario. Conflicted is a card game that has uh, scenarios that are based in uh, the end of the world as we know it, right? And so it's usually collapse or or something along those lines. And so uh, 
you know, you reading the scenario would, you know, cause you to make some kind of decision. And that's where the, the conflict is, is because it would be one of those hard decisions. Right. And so when I read these, I always I always say I know that some of you are, are, have been preparing for a long time and it'd be very easy to say I would never find myself in that scenario. But I ask you to look at it because part of the part of the deal about preparedness is, you know, being able to think critically. So let's just say you find yourself in this situation with with the knowledge that you have now about preparedness. What would you do? Right. And so, uh, again, the title of this one is uh, shoot first or hold your fire. What would you do? So let me go ahead and read this scenario. I'll read it twice and uh, you can uh, you know think about what you would do. So here we go. You see a wave of men in orange inmate suits walking down the street towards your home. They have pipes and makeshift clubs in their hands, but they do not seem to be breaking into any homes or bothering anyone. At this distance, you could take most of them out with your AR-10, but once they get close, you will be overwhelmed if they try to jump you. Do you take the chance and let them pass, or do you start shooting people who have done nothing to you and why? So again, uh, one. Uh, let me go ahead and read this again, and then I'm going to do a clarification here. Uh, you see a wave of men in orange inmate suits walking down the street towards your home. They have pipes and makeshift clubs in their hands, but they do not seem to be breaking into any homes or bothering anyone. At this distance, you can take most of them out with your AR-10, but once they get close, you will be overwhelmed if they try to jump you. Do you take the chance and let them pass, or do you start shooting people who you have who have done nothing to you and why? All right, so the second paragraph here, or the second part of the scenario, it says, at this distance, you will take most of them out, or you could take most of them out with your AR-10. And, and so you have that you, that understanding, okay, like I, if I start shooting, I can take them, most of them out, I'll be good to go. Um, the second part says, but once they get close, you will be overwhelmed if they try to jump you. And so I, I believe without saying it, of course, this is a deck of cards, so it's really hard to, um, you know, write so much. And this one, you know, took up the whole card. Um, the idea here is, is you you're not shooting you're kind of waiting to see what they're doing and they could pass you right and they might not even uh, mess around with you at all so they might wind up passing you but if they don't wind up passing you and they wind up coming towards your home if you don't take them out you know when they're at a far away distance they're going to overwhelm you so then what would you do in, in that case and so that's the way to read that part there is like okay you can take them out when they're far away but if they get close enough to you and you you're just letting them pass and you're waiting and you're waiting then if you wait too long if they wanted to hurt you if they wanted to overwhelm you they could very easily do that and so what would you do would you shoot from far away you know thinking that hey uh, they they're they're coming this way and they're coming to harm me or are you going to take a, a a wait and see approach of, of what might happen and so uh, you know that's the scenario there so you can uh, think that through and just, you know, put that in your head. What would I do if you're riding with someone or maybe you're, uh, you know, you're riding in a car or a vehicle with someone, you can talk it through with them, uh, maybe your spouse, or maybe if you feel like you'd like to share your thoughts and ideas, you can come over to edthatmatters.com and you can put uh, your your reason why you would do whatever you would do, your answer to the scenario in the in the comment section 
of uh, of this article, and I'd uh, love to uh, to hear what you would say uh, or what you would do here in this situation uh, because it, it is a scary one, right? It's one of those situations that you know could uh, not go not not go anywhere, and then it's one that you could potentially lose your life and you know, your whole family can be taken over. So uh, you know. What would you do? Shoot first or hold your fire? And that's going to be over at edthatmatters.com. All right, guys. Thanks so much for being a part of episode 256. Hey, don't forget, if you're listening to this on Thursday morning, afternoon, even you know a little bit uh, early evening, I do a Facebook Live every Thursday on the Prepper website Facebook page. And uh, normally I grab or I actually bounce off of an article, my favorite article that I read on the podcast last week. And I kind of bounce off of that and then, you know, present my own ideas. And so I usually go about go live around seven o'clock. I'm sorry, eight o'clock central time. And so I'd love for you to join me. And even if you can't make it, even if you're not there uh, for whatever reason, then you can always go and uh, just scroll down a little bit on the page and it records it. And so you can you can get to the recording. But I try to get in there a little early and uh, just hang out a little bit and, and see who's there. Uh, and if there's any you know interaction, we can we can interact and ask questions. There's a, it's kind of weird because there's like a 20, 30 second delay. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoy it, though, being able to uh, to talk with some of you guys. And then I go right into that uh you know, talking about or doing the live, uh, the live video. So if you can join me, love to have you there. Uh, like I said, Thursdays at eight o'clock central time on the Prepper website, Facebook page. I do have links to that in the show notes. If you want to do that. All right, guys, with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind until tomorrow. Stay prepped and aware. Peace.